Hello and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. My name is Marley Silva and as always, I am joined by my very amusing co-hosts, Keely and G. (laughs) We are laughing coming into this because Keely did not have faith in my ability to man the little machine that we record our podcast on. She didn't think we were recording, but we are, unless I'm going to be jarred at the end of this and we actually haven't recorded. Um, But hey, we're here, we're alive, we're trying out a new program, hopefully no technical difficulties today. Uh, G, I see you down there in Melbourne, how are you? (laughs) I'm good, I'm doing well. Shout out to my sister who got us all in trouble this week for being too formal and using my full name on the podcast. So I'll be G from here on out. If anyone has any other nicknames they'd like to throw in the mix, please reach out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kills, how was your week? You got any feedback? You're always good for feedback. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Mm. Um, yeah, look, week was great. Um and I do have some feedback. <laughs> oh, shock me. I've actually got – so actually Keely's feedback, like my personal feedback. I've got two bones to pick and I really need the people to pull through and I need some answers. <laughs> my first one is – and this could be really obvious, but I'm just non-observant, not picked up on it. But at the Warriors game, they have – there were lots of signs on the – uh, Warriors Instagram page and lots of things that I saw in comments and stuff. Gee, looks like she knows the answer to this. But the sign said, let's go on, Warriors. And I just need some explanation because I don't really understand. And, you know, since you told me about this. You've I, seen more. I've seen more and I've seen it in captions and yes. I've seen it in things. Okay, so my initial reaction is specific to my experience because I hear it as, Gone then. Yeah, so do I. That's what I said to you today. Which, like, we say, like, and blackfellas say, like, oh, gone then. Like, go on then. It's like a blending of that. And that's what my instinct is, that that's what that means. Yeah, so I just need someone to answer that. Is it like a Kiwi slang word too? That would make sense. Yeah. My other thing is. Okay, so query one. Yes, query one. Please slide in the DMs, tell us. Thank you. Query two. And this is actually like, um, like don't DM the chicks Instagram because I need help. But if anyone has tips for tips, um, I really need them. I have. I'm going shocking. I'm coming last in like two competitions for the NRL footy tips. There is no way I'm beating you. I, I'm terrible. Well, I'm coming last in my other one at work, okay. and it's really. I'm not really about coming last. It's not really a thing I do. Um, I'm trying my best and I'm even going off, all right, this team won last week. I'll just go with them. And they just – there's so many upsets and I'm just having a lot of trouble. I tipped three this week. I don't want to talk about that. I want to look forward and I need some help. So if anyone has any idea, please let us know. This is not a feedback session. This is Keely's uh, question box, it feels <laughs> like. Georgia, do you have a method to your tipping? Are you doing well in the tipping? Um, no, I well, Keely and I talked about this during the week because I only got four on the weekend as well. I do. Do you know what actually the best tipping method I've ever heard is? And my little cousin, shout out Connor, used to do this when he was much younger. And he'd do like the animals. So if it was like 
bulldogs versus dragons or whatever, he'd be like, well, who would win? A dragon or a dog? And that's how he decided. I don't use that now. But um, I just try and use like a lot of logic. If I'm really unsure, I usually go to the betting odds, which probably isn't great, but um, gamble responsibly. But I'm not going well. I'm going really well in the AFL. AFL. Same. Seven out of nine this week. Really poorly in the NRL, though, so not loving that for me. I have no tips for you, Killy. Anyone who hits Killy up with tips, please also hit me up with tips. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. Just, That's why she said don't put on the ticks one because she wants to beat up. <laughs> but I'm going really okay. Actually, I would say good in the AFL ones, and it's because I don't have the emotion of the NRL because I'll look oh, at it. You got a little bit of emotion for, like, one team in particular. What? Bulldogs. Yeah, I know. I was going to say Dusty for my man Dusty, but I just also thought that I would be no. crucified by you guys as we Bulldogs are. fans. Georgia and I are Bulldogs. You're the Richmond. I, I just, I'm really, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Dusty. So that usually, to be fair, that's usually a pretty safe bet. However, Tigers have been a bit unpredictable this season. But 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 my point being that aside from that one emotional connection to one player in the AFL, I don't – I just kind of go, oh, okay, like you look at the stats, you look at the numbers and whatever, you just pick it. Whereas in the NRL, I'll be like, oh, I like this person who plays in this team. I want them to win. And I, I do that. Like that's stupid. Like I shouldn't. Anyway, we should stop talking about tipping and um, <laughs> get into the show. We've got a really interesting – show for you today a few unusual topics to discuss the first being a fight night that happened in the u.s over the weekend Killy's pulling very interesting heads behind me as i'm telling this between a youtube star and a former mma fighter um and it's a whole discussion about the way that social media is infiltrating sport and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing also very fresh news that has broken at the time of recording today on Monday about the new European Super League in the soccer and um, what that means. It's a massive moneymaker and yeah, there's some strong opinions there about what that means for the future of soccer. And also a little interview with a board member on Deaf Sports Australia. I went to an event with them last week that I'll tell you about too. But right now it is time for our MVPs. You're the real MVP. And this brings us to MVPs, where each week we award someone or something our own personal MVP title for something they've done. It's not necessarily anything on the sporting field. It's just something that brings us a bit of joy. So, G, down there in Melbourne, who was your MVP this week? My MVP this week is 19-year-old Shyla Hill. Shyla became the just 37th player over the past 24 years to be drafted into the WNBA from Australia. She was the number eight draft pick, um, which is up there with the highest, I think, in terms of Australian players. She is the daughter of former Australian boomer and NBA player Shane Heal. Um, I think it's just really exciting, like we mentioned last week, the more that the American game slips into Australia and that we see Aussie athletes succeeding over there as well. It's just a really good feeling to see the two worlds colliding. Um, Shiloh is off to the Chicago sky, I believe it is, and um, she's going to do great things. So we're really proud of her and, yeah, good on her. Go Shiloh. Yeah, that was such an incredible story. Uh, my MVP was the return of... Tom Travojevic, Tommy Turbo, as they call him. I, this is a great MVP. And can I Actually, just say – Actually, all great MVPs this week. 
I hey, I expect nothing less. I feel like our MVPs are always really good. Yeah. But seeing Tommy come back, I'm not a Manly fan at all. I would say I'm quite the opposite, really. But I very much enjoy great football, as we all know. The thing that really just blew my mind uh, that made me kind of have like, this guy has to be my MVP is this statistic actually that has been, I've seen it come out a couple of times because for those of you who don't know, um, Tom Travojevic has kind of been plagued by some really niggly injuries that have had him um, kind of on again and off again uh, playing. But this stat is insane for an individual in a team sport. Since 2019, Manly's the team he plays for, their win rate has been 74% with him and without him, only 19% of games are won without him. And if you don't watch the NRL, Manly has not had a great start to the season. They did get their first win last week, um, and but this past week, this most recent weekend was um, Tom's first game back and they flogged the Titans. And it was an unbelievable performance from them that, you know, we just haven't seen that from them this season. And I, it just really made me ask the question, like, I mean, obviously he's a very good player, but it's also surely a mental thing as well. They, I think they believe they can win more with him and having him on the field, whether it's like, who knows if it's, just the spirit that he brings or his chat or whatever, but whatever it is that this one person can contribute just lifts the entire side and the club like and the fans. Like You see how excited everyone is about him coming back. And even for us who aren't Manly supporters, like I was excited to see him come back and I didn't think it was going to make that much of an impact to kind of go, okay, like, you know, you doubt it because, again, it's just one person, but far out. So impressive. Freak of nature. Freak of nature. Score to try. All the things. Like, yeah, I was a big fan of that. It's all the more impressive because he doesn't play in the middle of the field. He's not a half or a hooker or any of those sort of traditionally influential players in terms of the structure of plays and so forth. Um, Obviously, your outside backs make a huge difference, but he's not like a Cameron Smith or a Cooper Cronk or a traditional playmaker in the role that he has on the team. So for someone to come in as an outside back and have such a huge influence, it's like, it's pretty crazy. You don't see it happen that much. Usually outside backs play well off the back of playmakers, not sort of off their own bat, which is like, makes it all the more impressive, I think. I think there's been a lot of chat this season about um, how important that fullbacks have been um, in, in a few teams, actually. So I think it's it's quite fitting, which is good. Yeah, it's, I think it's also a, a morale thing, though. Um, with it's Tommy Turbo. My MVPs are actually the Braley brothers. So um, if you're not an NRL fan, they're two boys, Blake and Jaden, who um, Jaden plays for the Knights and Blake plays for for the Cronulla Sharks, and they versus each other on Friday night. And it's always fun seeing siblings versus each other, but I thought, um, I mean, they're both great players and lovely people, and they, it was a really close game, um, and they had a nice little interview at the end, and there was some sledging on the field, which I only imagine that that's what I'd be doing to you, Marley. Um, so you can appreciate that. And I just wanted to throw a question out to everyone, you two and the listeners, um, who are your favourite, you know, siblings in sport or maybe a family that you know that um, are heavily involved in elite sport? My favourites, Venus and Serena Williams. 
Good one. Yeah. Easy. I was going to say that too, but um, aside from the John's dynasty, I might also have to keep it pretty close to home. I can't go past um, the Bromwich brothers, Jesse and Kenny. Uh, For non-league fans, they're a brother duo at the Storm. Jesse is now one of the co-captains and Kenny is his wingman and... I just love them on and off the field. So, yeah, also shout out the Dunkley family, um, Kyle, Josh and Lara. They're a pretty impressive trio. Um, both brothers play in the AFL and Lara plays in this uh, netball, uh, Suncorp Super Netball. And um, they're a very impressive family as well. Their dad also was a Sydney Swans legend back in the day. So that's a pretty, fa- pretty impressive family troop as well. I hear stories like that and I really, I curse the genetic gods um, (laughs) because I don't know what happened to my sporting talent. Uh, I think it's really unfair. And I think, I think I have, you know, the passion for sport um, of someone who really should be allowed to be a lot better at sport than what I am. So thanks. Thanks heaps, mum, for bloody cancelling out dad's genes. Far out. Touchdown! Now it's time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds, where we dive into the biggest headlines in sports media from the week. And to kick us off, this one is a pretty unusual one. On Saturday night, US time, the stage was set for a fight night, the likes of which the world has never seen. The main event featured a YouTube star turned boxer called Jake Paul in his third ever professional fight, coming up against an Olympian and retired MMA fighter, Ben Askren. And the curtain raises almost stole the show with a full-blown concert featuring Snoop Dogg, Justin Bieber, and a host of other celebrity cameos, including comedians on commentary like Pete Davidson and TikTok stars in the dressing rooms pre-fight like Addison Rae or promoting the event on social media like 15-year-old Charlie DeMayo. What about dude holding a sign? Dude holding a sign as well. Big fan of him on Instagram. The crossover of social media influencer, legitimate, quote unquote, celebrity and professional sports was at times a little bizarre and somewhat unnerving, but undeniably entertaining. And it was always going to be like that with Uh, Jake Paul's extremely successful use of social media to build a career and the event promoter itself, co-founded by Snoop Dogg, Trilla, as it's called, is an American video sharing social networking service, that's what they call themselves, that feels like it's trying to be a competitor to TikTok. So this, for me, watching it unfold on social media and be covered by all the major sporting outlets it felt like it legitimized the fight a lot more, but I found this quote um, from Michael Rothstein from ESPN to be the one that really summed up how I ended up feeling about it, but also raises some really interesting questions that I wanted to put to you guys. This is the quote. This was unlike any boxing pay-per-view in history, and yet it got people talking. It's a great night, man, Snoop Dogg said during the broadcast. (laughs) But of course, Snoop Dogg is going to say that because it's his show, his promotion. But Triller's Fight Club accomplished something so much of of boxing outside of mega fights ends up able to do. It caught the attention of the social media sphere. That's always a tricky measure to go by, but it showed that people were at least tuning in. 
Was Saturday night too much in terms of everything other than boxing? Yeah, it was. Was it a possible gateway to have more people tune into a sport that needs viewers and that doesn't have many marketable stars who can truly sell pay-per-view cards? If done right, potentially. Now, just quickly before we jump into the discussion around this, I do want to make a point of the fact that uh, Jake Paul and his brother Logan, who are both massive um, social media stars, are like, there's no other kind of sensible way to put it. They're kind of douchebags. Um, and there's a lot of things that are like not sweet about them, including Logan's um, video a few years ago that made international headlines when he was in Tokyo and went to what is called the suicide forest and found a, a deceased person there and like put it on YouTube. It was really horrific. And then also in the week leading up to this fight, Jake Paul has also had sexual assault allegations put up against him. So we're not going to talk about them because they're not, they don't really sit that good with me. Don't know how you guys feel, but this is not what the discussion is about. The discussion is about, you know, this crossover between social media and sport is growing. And it's something we've talked about a lot before around it, being a space where it gives athletes agency and ability to tell their own story and have their own identity. But not that often do you see it work the other way, where the social media influencer uses the power that they've built online to have a career in the sports space. So firstly, how do you guys feel about this? And yeah, what were your thoughts and feelings watching some of the content and um, coverage that happened over the weekend? It's crazy. I think for me, one of the biggest things that I just kept coming back to was the lengths that people will go to for money at the end of the day. I think me personally, like you just touched on, the Logan brothers are not really people whose morals align with mine. And there were a lot of people in and around and involved in the fl- in the fight who I can only assume were getting paid astronom- astronomical amounts of money to be there, who to a degree were kind of, I don't know if you'd say selling their souls, but probably getting involved in something that they wouldn't otherwise um, at an event that was clearly bringing in a lot of money in all facets. But aside from that, um, yeah, it was really interesting. I think it also goes to show that uh, the more money and support and teams you have behind you, the further you can go in sort of any facet that you choose. I don't think that if some of the people involved had the money that they had, they would be able to get to that level of sport. Um, there were obviously also huge questions raised about the legitimacy of the fight and the knockout um, after the reaction of the losing team uh, uh, and the walk-offs and a bit of behind-the-scenes footage there as well. So I think it's just this really weird amalgamation of two words, two worlds. I don't think we'll see anything like that happen in Australia anytime soon purely because of the scale and the money involved. Um, but yeah, for me, I think just weird, like just a really weird crossover of, I think, a sport, especially like boxing, which has been, you know, really high, highly regarded and such a well-respected sport and the athletes in it have always been these people who often have like these crazy backstories and it's such a sport that is testament to working your whole life towards something and you know being able to stand up in the ring for that amount of time takes a lifetime worth of training so I think it's so interesting now seeing people kind of just stepping in out of nowhere into the ring um I don't know how I feel about it yet but yeah definitely a weird a weird 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 thing to watch over unfold over the weekend yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, G. I um actually spoke to a few mates about 
what you were saying, like the legitimacy of the fight um, was a little bit questionable. Um, and I think that the, the the people who I know who are true friends, true fans of the boxing sport. Friends of boxing. Friends of boxing. Oh, my gosh, I can't even speak tonight. Sorry. Um, but true fans um, probably just not even really about it. They weren't really there. To, like they probably didn't even watch it because it's not real for them and they didn't like it. Um, but I think it brings – opens an interesting door into what you were saying, Marley, about sport um, and social media and the kind of, you know, intertwining between the two. And I – actually have quite a more of a positive example of this um so cody simpson do we remember cody simpson uh, uh yeah yeah yes. yeah became a very young pop star from australia from queensland um <laughs> and you know has been crazy successful and he's actually going back to swimming now he swam when he was younger and was a junior representative um quit the sport 11 years ago, like I can't remember his exact achievements. I think George actually may know. Um, but now he's decided to train for the Olympics, um, which is really cool, really exciting. A lot of people have kind of bagged him, but he was elite in junior years and he went and kind of did his singing thing, created this awesome um, – what's the word, Molly? Career. Career. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> English is not my thing tonight, sorry. Uh, created this really awesome career and now he's gone, well, that's something I put aside and I'm going to use um, what I've – well, not even use what he's created, but it just has helped. He's got best coaches and he's training his heart out and he's looking good for the 100-metre butterfly, which is really cool. He's got a swimmer's body, doesn't he? Yeah, you look 100%. At the but, you know, the Cody Simpson thing – like I'm legitimately excited to watch that and I think that when this first came up, it was a real, you know, classic tale of Australian tall poppy syndrome to watch someone who's succeeded in a really almost impossible career to have um, and now he's going to jump across and do, you know, the same in something else. It's very easy for Aussie audiences to go, oh, all right, Nate, like, you know, you you think you are unreal and you're going to go do it somewhere else. But, uh, you know, I want to take the other um, – route here and say it's pretty awesome and it's not some the difference with the Cody Simpson thing versus the the Jake Paul thing is that Cody Simpson had to you know it's hard because you don't want to like fully delegitimize whatever kind of work that Jake Paul has put into his YouTubing career and whatever but it's obvious that he's been able to do that um where it's it's literally him doing pranks and that sort of stuff and just using the money that he was coming from to do that, but you have to have like kind of talent and do a lot of hard work to do what Cody Simpson's done. I um, think appreciate people appreciate that more too. Yeah, like in regards, the hard work you can yeah. see the hard work there. Yeah. I think also like I'm not going to say that Jake Paul didn't work hard to yeah, like, of course, have three professional boxing fights and whatever, whatever. He, Cody Simpson's just a hero you want to back, and Jake <laughs> Paul is not. Um, but but I think that, yeah, that's, a, that's just showing the differences. That's a good example. I think that. The difference remains, though, like that was Cody Simpson's dream before or like parallel to his, his singing thing. It's not like a new thing. He's just gone back to it. Whereas Jake Paul's like, I've got all this money and like I have not had to work for anything and I have no new goals to set. So I'm going to become a boxer. Um, so, you know, and it's very easy and he's allowed to do that. And, and like Georgia was saying, it's just about throwing all this money behind and, and whatever. Like that's that's where the kind of ickiness sits for me. I think, though um, – it is interesting and I put my marketing hat on 
um, like I often do on this podcast, where we kind of take the, the those personalities out of the discussion and think about, again, new and creative ways to bring more people to different sports. And, you know, we've seen it. You could you could almost say like another fight that's happening this week is Paul Gallen, yeah. which is a, causing Massive. big hype. But you know we we love watching a footballer turn boxer again. It's because it's athlete to athlete, and we like to get around that sort of stuff and whatever. But and and maybe it's not only in boxing. I mean, boxing feels like the only sport where you can kind of pick it up a bit later. I don't know, but um, maybe having more celebrity or or more influencers kind of involved in this can get a, a very different audience on board. So I guess you're backing the process. I think it's an interesting process. I think it has potential. I don't know if I don't necessarily want to see Tammy Hembrow in a netball <laughs> uniform. Like God. that's not what I'm saying, but is there ways to use the power and influence of people who have that space online where there's a lot of particularly young people who aren't engaged with sport and bring it across and, you know, maybe it, I think it's you, it's easy to kind of go, oh, you can have like celebrity games of things and whatever and that's a bit gimmicky and that. But I don't know. I think there's, yeah, I think there's the, something there. There's something there. The quote that you grab, um, the, the quote that you found was, was good because if done right, potentially. And I think that, yeah, that probably sums it up. Yeah. Did you guys see that uh, football team in the States? I believe it might be a college team. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is now replacing the names on the back of the jerseys with Instagram handles. And the coach has actually come out um, really backing this idea in and was, I believe, an instigator of it and just trying to create a profile and nurture that idea that these boys will have a life after football and that the career span is often quite short. So trying to build their profile and build their brand and build opportunities for them off the field. So really interesting thing. Again, a bit of a fence sitter on this one. I think it'll be a long time before we would ever see it in Australia, but really cool for, I think, people at that level of the sport who may or may not make it while they have that audience to grab it with two hands and use it. Yeah. I don't know about you, Georgia, but the cynic in me thought, well, that's just because the NCAA doesn't want to pay them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. And do you know what? What a great workaround. If you're not going to pay us, we're going to put out, make ourselves walking billboards for our own brands. Like, why not? Yeah, it's very interesting, and I can I can see why there's a need for it um, in the college system over there. I back it. I think it's interesting. Again, I yeah, Australian culture is just so different, and I can't see it working here. <laughs> Definitely not. Because um, there's too much of the like, oh, all right, kind of voice in in the space. But yeah, really interesting. I think that I'm just constantly blown away by the way. As much as I, there's many days where I really hate the screens in our pockets. Um, but it's kind of like we've so changed the world in some ways for the worse and some ways for the better. So today, Monday morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time, a very big piece of news broke for the global game, the world game. That's what they call it, isn't it, Keely? Yes. And you need to introduce it as football. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Not soccer like we said previously in this episode. Oh, sorry. To all the football. <laughs> Football, I feel like I have to say it like that, um, <laughs> fans, you would know exactly what we're talking about. For those who aren't as in touch with that particular sport, this morning a group of 12 elite English, Spanish and Italian football clubs dramatically split European soccer by announcing the formation of a largely closed Super League. 
So the idea is that they will leave the existing Champions League structure, despite warnings that they could be kicked out of their domestic competitions and face legal action, to build what has been criticised as a uh, billionaire boys club for the elitist of the elite, the 1% of the 1%. There's a lot of, of big questions and controversies that have come out of the announcement of this Super League that could mean absolute utter devastation and destruction for so many different clubs across Europe. Uh, and Keely, you've been in the ears of your football-loving friends um, <laughs> to talk about this and, and what it means for for you know this huge sport that has such an impact on you know, and it's such a culture over in Europe as well uh, that impacts fans and and yeah. What was this general sense check out after the announcement of this Super League? Uh, well, initially, um, a few of my friends had just shared the actual post on Instagram, just saying this is bullshit. Um, this is the end of of football. Like football is dead. Quote unquote was actually one of the boys' comments on it. Uh, and I spoke to my lovely friend Nathan Roberts, who I have to give a shout out to, um, because he has he's really informed when it comes to this stuff and and a great football player. Um, so basically, he also said it it's horrible. He's so against it, um, and it means that no matter how good the smaller, poorer, newer clubs go, they'll never get into it. Um, and he basically said it just ruins it for the underdogs, and that's what I said. I said, does that mean like you know new um, even if Australian athletes go over to Europe and they get a go in those more new, you know, less known clubs. They're not going to ever break into it. Um, and he said, yeah, it's just up and coming teams. There's no no chance for them. And I actually have like a really interesting comment that he made. Um, I'll, I'll read it exactly from what he said. Every year in Champions League and Europa League and all leagues around the world, there are always underdogs and smaller clubs who have a good year and they should be rewarded. Look at Arsenal. This year they are currently ninth. Only top three get into Champions League and fourth and fifth into Europa. So they've had a shit year, yet they still expect to get into their Super League with all the biggest clubs just because they once were a powerhouse club, have lots of supporters and are um, super rich pretty much. And he sent me a screenshot and they're coming ninth, which I just think is crazy because you just said Arsenal's one of the clubs that is going to go to it. Yeah, so there's 12 founding clubs and of them, I think it's currently only four of them are in like position to be in the Champions League. So yeah, that it can't be elite to, of the elite. Like and, they can't and, say that. And that's what uh, the elite, I mean, that's why the Champions League exists. If, if I'm not, like, I don't know a lot about soccer, but if I'm not mistaken, that's why it exists, right? It's the best of the best coming together to compete. And, and shouldn't that just, you know, in itself be that what they're looking for in the Super League? And, yeah, and just a second thing. So West Ham, their coach took over last season. They were maybe around 17th. In a year and a half, he's got them to fourth and fighting for a European Cup spot, yeah, wow. which is a massive deal for a club um, like West Ham. And so rightly show, so, they should be rewarded. So it's just going to take the spotlight. This new thing is going to take the spotlight off all these, you know, for example, West Ham, who are coming up and killing it. Um, so basically the money and stuff going into this, it's going to take If I'm not mistaken, wasn't it a couple of years ago when Leicester City won the EPL? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and they were like – it was like this fairy tale story and whatever. I yeah. mean, I don't really it's know. It's just who. like it's ridiculous. And so Gary Neville is um previous English football coach and a uh, former player, and he, I believe, has alignment with Manchester United. I'll probably be corrected if I'm wrong from now. No, Nathan. I saw it on the news. He's yeah, in, yeah, and – Two quotes from um, – he had a bit of an interview. If you haven't seen it, look it up on 
YouTube. Um, really interesting just hearing from him because of his close ties, but he said he's absolutely disgusted and it's a criminal act against fans, simple as that. So it's really going to hurt the fans more so than anything. It's just, it just, yeah, it's sad, man. Why do you have to change it? Why do you need more money? It's already super successful. <laughs> super interesting one. Obviously not someone who watches a heap of football, particularly anything outside of Australian uh, league. But, yeah, I just I, – I, I don't know how they're going to get away with it. I think you're clearly taking the most rich and powerful men, which – gives them a foot up, but it will be really interesting to see because I just see this uh, tied up in legal battles for years to come. But B, will you not watch it? Like, I think you'll struggle to find a mad soccer fan who won't watch. Like, if they, if it goes ahead and if they can get it off the ground successfully, you're still talking about the best of the best going and making their own league. And I think as much as it is going to tear things apart and I would hate to see it happen and there's going to be a lot of loyal fans out there whose hearts are crushed over it, I think a lot of the same people who are calling for the boycotts will be the people who will be the first to tune in and watch it. I just think that is where the power is going to come from at the end of the day. And if they can get it off the ground, they know they just have to sit tight until the game starts. Because I really don't think that anyone could sit there and tell me to my face that they wouldn't tune in to watch. And that's obviously where sporting success comes from, especially at the moment when in a lot of European countries they still aren't having live crowds. They're getting TV audiences, they're winning, and I just don't see them not getting those numbers. Yeah, I, th- I think you're, you're definitely right there. Especially, It'll be interesting to see, it, again, if it goes ahead and all those legal lo- loopholes or whatever are tied up. That was up. the other comment a lot of them made. They just can't see it going ahead, not with all the drama already. Yeah, and but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what players will do it because it's going to be massive money that they'll be offered. And then, you know, what criticism do they get? Like, oh, you're a sellout and blah, yeah. blah, blah. I think it's also – important to note that um football fans are crazy passionate across the world and i i think um i definitely agree with what you said g but also there will be a bunch of them who refuse to watch it and put money towards it because they'll be stubborn and they love their teams and their players too much and they'll want to back their you know their west hams and other teams so I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. It's yeah. brought up a lot of debate. And then if they're kicked out of their domestic comps, like that weakens them and then – There's just a whole lot of – There's yeah, way too much. I, I can't see it actually going ahead. But it, it is just this – so much money there. And apparently it's because a lot of these clubs have been frustrated with the way it's the um, European – sorry, what is it? The Whatever it is, it's the collective of <laughs> European football associations, right? UE – FA, right? A lot of these clubs have been... Oh, my god, Guys, we're learning, right? We're, we're learning. We're learning. Um, but that... Fo- that football. That, football. That major body that runs the Champions League um, ha- has pissed off these, these other clubs and these rich people who have this idea during COVID um, because they say that whatever they've done has accelerated the instability of the... the um, current European economic model. So they're kind of blaming them for not handling COVID well. But, hey, like we were all trying to yeah. get through. So I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what, what, how it goes. And it's like, guys, like don't hide it. We know you just want – you've got this money. You want to make heaps more money. Like 
we're in capitalism. Right? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not Think into about it. The fans. I'm anti. I'm anti. I don't even care that much about I'm against it. football, but I'm anti it. Yeah, I'm against it. And to wrap up our Around the Grounds segment for this episode, I have a little interview with Tracy Corbin Matchett. She is on the board of directors of Deaf Sports Australia and is the CEO of Bus Stop Films. She's an amazing woman that Keely and I met a, a little over a month ago. Uh, she reached out to us because She's really passionate about sport and particularly to talk about the work that she does with Deaf Sports Australia. So I was really lucky to go up to Newcastle um, this past Friday to go to the one year out event for the Australian Deaf Games that will be happening uh, in the Newcastle Lake Macquarie region this time next year. And really for me, I found it to be this quite eye-opening and um, emotional experience to think about, you know, people who have disability or, or need, you know, different considerations when they're interacting with sport, but still deserve to be able to have that social element and that health element of it. Um, it was a really beautiful event and it was, yeah, it was really powerful. And I wanted to share it because it's made us think about how we can make our podcast podcast a bit more accessible you know I'm exploring options for how we can get transcripts done of our episodes so people who are hard of hearing or deaf can interact with the content as well um yeah and I thought it was really important and Tracy is a legend and she's a massive Sharks fan as well um so yeah here's that chat with her um so do you want to just start by introducing yourself and what your role is with Deaf Sports Australia Yes, so my name is Tracy Corbin Matchett and I'm on the board of Deaf Sports Australia and I've been with them, um, wow, just over four years now and um, primarily my role on the board is to help with marketing and partnerships and to really find opportunities for them to promote deaf sports as well. I'm hard of hearing and my eldest daughter is deaf. So do you want to explain what event we're at this morning and um, what's very excitedly happening in 2022? So we're here in the beautiful city of Newcastle and it's one year out from the Australian Deaf Games which will kick off here on the 16th of April next year uh, and it'll be held, uh, a week of activities held between Newcastle and Lake Macquarie. We've got 14 sports, there'll be social activities and um, it will really celebrate sport, unity and deaf culture so it's really exciting. So what kind of ex uh, sports can we expect to be watching when that comes? So you'll have your traditional sports, you'll have swimming, athletics, um, there'll be triathlon, which is really exciting, we'll have the rugby sevens, we'll have some demonstration sports with CrossFit, um, sailing, because as you just heard before, um, the beautiful Lake Macquarie here will be home to that. So it'd be a great way to um, see sports in action. We love sport in Australia and it will be one of the biggest sporting events that's happened since COVID. There'll be over a thousand athletes coming here, it's really exciting, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't compare I'm not good at sport, um, even though I could. Um, I'll just stick to cheering people on. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. What sport do you play? Because I know you're a big Sharks fan. Um, so, yeah. Did you play any growing up? I did. Uh, I, play, I loosely played touch football at, at school and I really enjoyed it. Um, my sports are mainly public speaking and debating. I'm toying up with, with joining the, the touch team here and getting involved that way. Or champion bowling, something a bit <laughs> easy. I'm almost 50. <laughs> It's never too late. No. So what does an event like this mean for the deaf community? And especially like at today's event, it was quite 
lovely for me to watch some young little kids in the in the crowd who are hard of hearing and, and being able to see people like themselves do something like this. What does it mean? It, it's really important. As you heard um, Catherine Armfield, our amazing president, just then said the event is around our community, our culture, our language and bringing us together. It's not just about the sport and winning medals, although that's a really key part of it and we do have the state versus state um, competition as well. It, it's around seeing people like you participating in sport at a professional level. Our co-patron, um, Katie Kelly, is a, a gold medal triathlete, um, and um, Cindy Lou Bailey Fitzpatrick, amazing sports people in themselves in the professional level, but also that young girl there on stage celebrating participating in sport in her school as a young person with a cochlear implant who's deaf. So fantastic. I always say sport is such a great medium to bring communities together. Whether you're like me and you just love watching it and celebrating it and maybe not participating in it as much as I should, but it really brings the community together. And it's great here coming to a regional area like Newcastle, Lake Macquarie, that over the next 12 months, local business owners and people working in the council will be learning Auslan so they can communicate with the community when they arrive so they can all say thank you and, you know, what, how would you like your coffee? It really brings the community together and it just celebrates amazing things around our, our culture, our community, our language. It's really fantastic. Yeah, it is so exciting, you know, for someone like myself who has not had much to do with this community at all to see that and being such a big lover of sport I think it's um incredible so I guess what would be your message to to people who maybe aren't aware of what's going on and and to get them to to come and watch it next year oh absolutely so um follow uh, deaf sports australia and the australian deaf games on all our social media channels um you know barrack for katie kelly as she um goes for gold again at coming up to the paralympic games in tokyo um get involved come to newcastle and lake macquarie next year and just get amongst it learn a bit of auslan um immerse yourself in the community turn the sound down on the Sharks game tonight and watch it with the captions on how I watch it, I love it my husband hates it, it's a bit of a fight I love it, you can hear exactly what um, the ref is saying and what the callers are saying, you know, it's it's great immerse yourself in desk culture, learn how to spell your name in Auslan, there's easy ways to get around it and just celebrate sport for being the amazing thing that it is Amazing, thank you so much Tracy. Thank you. Thanks for coming up, Marley. We look two two girls from the Shire. We hopped on the train and came to Newcastle for the day. Fantastic. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you so much. And now we come to our final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch, where we recommend what sport, event, or even a Netflix show you should be watching for the week ahead. But for the first time, we're all focused on the one thing, our one one to watch that is the most important. And I will leave it to you, G, to tell us all about it. Um, no, I want to watch this weekend is Anzac footy. Um, there's a bunch of different games going on across the NRL and AFL and both codes tend to do it really well, really special ceremonies pre-game, a couple of cool blackouts happening down in Melbourne across both codes. But the one game we're focused on is one pretty close to my heart. Um, so thanks, girls, for indulging me on this one. But... Uh, Every year when the Storm play the Warriors, they play for a cup in my dad's name, which is pretty cool, very special time for our family. And luckily it always falls on Anzac Day, which means it's a really cool event and the family all come down for it. And this year the girls coming down for it too, which is so exciting. Um, But yeah, Storm vs Warriors, Sunday night. Yes, we absolutely cannot wait. Um, It's 
going to be such a special day for a lot of reasons. Um, and yeah, we're honoured to to be a part of it. Go back down to Melbourne. So so excited. It's basically our second favourite city. <laughs> Seriously, second favourite footy team. <laughs> Stop it. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Chicks and Balls, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, for all of your support, for giving feedback. Please always be in touch. This is, you know, it's the people's podcast. We want you guys to be involved. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks heaps. Have a great week. Enjoy all your sport. Get in and amongst all the Anzac. Fill our DMs um, with all, all the questions that we've asked today. Exactly. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod. Subscribe or follow wherever you're listening right now. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be amazing if you gave us five stars and a little review. Uh, other than that, make sure you've checked checked out our latest halftime huddle interview with Jamie Lee Price, which is such a laugh and such a joy to have. But, um, yeah. Are you just going to keep talking or do I have to cut you off? You have to cut me off. And we're done. See you later. Chicks and balls, 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 balls. 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 <laughs>